Subarai production and Marvel Comics uh, joint production of Ultraman, The Rise of Ultraman, which I think if you look at that, that looks a little goofy on the cover. It's Ultraman, then The Rise of Ultraman. But anyway, The Rise of Ultraman number one is here. I'm recording this the day it came out, September 9th, 2020. Uh, I bought it right away. Uh, I think the main cover was this Alex Ross one, which I've always liked his uh, work, so I appreciate it. Um, this looks like a suit with the wrinkles here. Uh, and the eyes look like kind of the paper mache type thing. And if you look closely here at the bottom, you can see that they look like Ultraman's eyes do on the, uh, old show where there's little eye holes for the guy in the suit to see. Anyway, neat stuff. I'm going to go over the credits real, for, real quick. Um, I love this, uh, super high contrast iconographic, uh, you know, logo that they did here, you know, half of Ultraman doing his, uh, Specium Ray or whatever it's called. Um, so let's see. Writers, we have Kyle Higgins and Matt Groom. Uh, I'm only vaguely familiar with Kyle Higgins, Matt Groom. I don't think I'm familiar with uh, any of his work. Uh, artist was Francesco Mana. Color artist was Epson, wow, Grundetron. Grundetron. <laughs> uh, so separate art was uh, in the Things to Come um, scene. I think it was a double-page spread that was done by uh, Ed McGinnis and uh, Espen um, Grundetron. Uh, the Ultra Q short, which I really enjoyed, was written by uh, Kyle Higgins and Matt Groom, just like the, you know, story, <laughs> the main story. And the artist was Michael Cho. And I really like the art by Cho in the uh, Ultra Q story. Uh, the Kaiju Steps, I didn't really pay much attention. Um, I read through one and then I kind of glanced at the others. Cute. Uh, you know, nothing else to say about those at the moment. Uh, lettering was done by Ariana Mayer. Uh, the color was Alex Ross. Already I talked about that. Uh, I won't go over the variant covers because I did not look at those ones. Uh, C.B. Sabolsky, well, he wasn't the editor of this. He's editor-in-chief. I was going to say, he got in trouble for writing under a Japanese pseudonym. I don't remember what he was writing, but I think he was writing... Maybe it was the... I wonder if it was the manga-verse, the Marvel manga-verse. Anyway, I'll look into that later. Um, but I, I hear Tom Brevoort thrown around a lot, but I don't know... Uh, what work he would have done on this. So I will leave those people alone and just get back to talking about things I can talk about. So I, I really wanted to call, uh, or my impression of this comic overall is that it's full of a lot of intrigue and it's interesting. And being somebody who knows, um, I liked what I saw so far. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to give quick impressions. I liked it overall. The artwork was, for the most part, very good. Uh, I am enjoying what the story is so far for two facts. One, it is differentiating itself, as far as we can tell right now, from the classic Ultraman, which had aliens coming from outer space, basically, and Ultraman dealing with them. Now, they're nightmare monsters, or they're called nightmare monsters in one of the, one of the panels. Um, and they are referred to as kaiju. These people are in Japan. I don't know exactly what kaiju means in Japanese, uh, all the like details or nuance of the word. So I couldn't say that kaiju only means giant monster and therefore um, they shouldn't be calling them kaiju because they're not appearing as giant monsters. They're, you know, large monsters, um, maybe six feet tall or, you know, two meters. Um, but I, I couldn't really say about that, and I don't really want to speculate too, too much. Um, I know that uh, kaijin is a word used for monster, um, so that's kind of interesting. 
And uh, let me see. Hold on. I'm just flipping through right now, and I'm trying to find it exactly. Shin's talking about beating back the darkness. He's a real hero type, it seems like. I like Shin's personality a lot, um, so that's a good thing. That's definitely a positive from this. Let's see. So when they're out at dinner, um, Kiki, which that's not really her name. I can't remember what her name is, but that's what Shin calls her. So that's what I'm calling her. She says, uh, I know that nightmare monsters exist and a secret multinational operation exists to fight them. What secret could be bigger than that? So uh, they are talking about, they refer, she refers to them as nightmare monsters. But you know what? In that second reading now, I'm not 100% sure she meant that they're nightmare monsters like they come from nightmares maybe she just means they're nightmarish because you know they are pretty freaky looking so uh that could be what that is but then shin makes a comment about one coming from outer space and how crazy that is because it really seemed like the idea was that they were coming in no and um uh captain uh gray streak um says something about the um about them coming in from another dimension like they distort reality or space-time is what it sounded like he was gonna say because the uh, something was grown larger in a meat locker or whatever where uh they had stumbled upon where he and kiki had stumbled upon a uh a kaiju so um anyway i got really distracted from my point uh, i like the tone of the story uh i like how much mystery is in it i like how kiki is kind of self-aware she's a 2020s character uh being written in 2020 and she's suspicious of the multinational secret organization that she's now working for, which is probably smart because, uh, you know, when things are too big, they can be corrupt, they can be evil. And, uh, from what we saw in the ultra Q story with that little surprise at the end there, um, maybe there's, you know, deeper, badder Hydra type stuff going on with, uh, this organization, the USP, then, you know, we might suspect it first, or then you might suspect it first, especially, uh, than you would have suspected uh, just watching the show as a kid. Like, I don't think the SSSP is evil at all in the original Ultraman series. Um, but then again, I haven't seen enough of it to know for sure. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of my general overall impressions, uh, stuff about the story. I think the art is really cool. Let me flash around. Well, okay, so Cho's art is awesome. I only have one example of it, but I think one example is all you need to see how super cool it is. Like, the kaiju looks cool. The uh, man and woman from Japan look cool. You don't really see the, the French people operating over here. But, like, even just the way it's colored, um, it looks really good. I like that black and white for, you know, it being in the past. This is in 58, I think. And uh, the first incident uh, from outer space happened in 66 with uh, Moriboshi being hit and killed. And there's a monument to him at the uh, HQ of uh, USP. Anyway, um, but just, like, his line, like... I like everything about Cho's art a lot. It's it's really good. Um, I mean, I don't know. Both. It's it's like a, a more traditional, slightly more simple style, I think. Uh, but maybe it's just because it's drawn or the colors are grayed out. Um, and it's set in the past, I'm thinking that. But, like, the designs seem a lot more simple and crisp and clear. And, like, they're, um, like they're more iconographic. Uh, they're um, unapologetic about being older in their style, I think. Whereas... Um, the art done in the, I guess Mana's art, done in the uh, more modern setting, in the 2020 setting, it feels a little, uh, I don't know, a little 2020 to me in a way that I don't like. Like, I think there's some off-model, there's some problems with 
art drifting off model. And maybe too, to be fair, uh, Cho had less work to do, although I don't know their individual schedules, but Cho was only turning out the LGQ story, which was smaller. Um, although it could have been rushed at, at the end, they decided to do it. Um, but I don't know. I'm just speculating here, but like, uh, Mana's art is a little inconsistent for me. Like, the kaiju look cool, the characters look cool, mostly, like, when they're on model. Um, but they have instances where they shift. So, well, and then, uh, I've well, I'll go, I'll show some faces that are shifting that I was kind of bothered by, and then I'll get to sequential art. So, like, Kiki and Commander Dude, I can't remember his name, uh, are, you know, yelling, and they're shocked and astonished at what's happening to Shin. And they're they ha are wearing these expressions of horror, right? And, you know, disbelief. Uh, but Commander Dude yelled at Shin, and something about, I don't know if it's the coloring, uh, I think it's the line work, though, too. Something shifted in the line work and the coloring from this panel where he's yelling at Shin to shoot the kaiju, uh, that... <sighs> it just, it's a... To me, it's a drop in quality. Them yelling for Shin, which should be, it's the last image you're gonna see of this issue potentially, because it says to be continued right under there. Uh, it should look really, really good and like be a standout thing. And I don't think the emotion of it should sell as much as the art or the art should, the emotion should be conveyed through the art. But to me, the emotion is being conveyed more through the uh, dialogue. You know, there's the red box around it. It's, you know, the frames tilted a little bit and stuff. So like there are other things other than just like the raw, lines and, and coloring there that are telling me this is a big deal and it just I don't know just a little a little odd for me and then like I think Shin and Kiki both look very attractive at points in this they look like I don't know weird um trying to find a really good example like when <laughs> on one of the images they pulled for the cover when Shin shows up and he's you know toting a gun uh he looks really really good um looks very cool um but then in some of the other scenes they just I don't know they just look less great and it's like but it's almost as if because they're having dialogue the art is being the quality of the art's being dropped whereas I feel like in a less exciting scene um because they're just sitting at a table talking in a restaurant you should have more of an impact there um I don't know and then there's an issue at this starlight pro this project starlight out in the sticks it looks like uh, the sequence of the art is all off to me. Uh, we see something like crashing to earth, it looks like, and then we see the shack and then a, a monitor goes off and then, uh, the roof hatch opens up and this big, you know, blaster thing comes out and it shoots at, I assume, the thing that's coming in. It's trying to like surface to, uh, air intercepted. Um, but just the sequencing felt off. I almost thought at certain points, like, is the art going backwards? Is it kind of done in a manga, like a reversed, uh, layout to a Western comic? But I know it's not, but it, almost feels as if it should be, and uh, that page in particular is very troublesome to me, and I have a hard time, uh, I had to look at it multiple times before I really understood, like, I got it, you know, something falls from the sky, this gun comes out and it shoots, but, like, we don't see it shooting, or, I mean, it almost, to me, I, I'm serious, it almost looks to me as if it's supposed to be uh, the gun shoots, and then you go from that panel left, and then it's after it's shot, everything's quiet and peaceful, and it's telling you that it has something to do with this Project Starlight, and then the uh, beam is shooting out from Earth's atmosphere, out into space, and then I guess you, there's a technology and a monitor, I, I don't know, it's just, it really doesn't make sense to me. So, uh, some quibbles with the, with some of the artwork, uh, with Mana's art, uh, both in, I guess, uh, execution of it, as far as like the sequential uh, nature of the art and then also the uh, 
um, I guess the quality and consistency of the art throughout, uh, I had some problems with that, but, um, I really like, uh, how skeptical Kiki is of the USP, you know, in closing, I like how skeptical she is of the USP. Um, I'm intrigued by that. Uh, I'm hoping that there's going to be a lot more. I hope that they mostly stay in Japan. Like I'm fine with that as long as they dig into the uh, story. And if I don't care if Japan's the main headquarters or not, but if there's something that they can uncover there, that would be, uh, really interesting. And I like Shin. It's fun to me that he's like a science nerd. Um, you know, he's a techie, he builds stuff, uh, but he's, you know, happy to shoot a gun and, uh, or this K-Ray blaster or whatever they call it. And, um, that he's also, uh, he's got like, not bravado necessarily, but he does have some bravado, but he has like a kind of a hero complex and he wants to be fighting against the darkness and all this stuff. And it's just, it's kind of interesting because, you know, he wanted that so badly, but KK got, or Kiki got, um, you know, accepted the USP and I, I like that there's that tension in their relationship and I'm wondering how it's going to change because I'm assuming uh, if he becomes Ultraman, he's going to get wrapped into the USP somehow. But maybe it'll be in a, an unexpected and interesting way where he'll still kind of be outside of it. Uh, that could be fun too. So overall, I really like this issue. Um, I would definitely say if you like science fiction and kind of mystery type stuff and you're not familiar with Ultraman at all, it's definitely worth checking out. Um... And if you like Ultraman and you've seen it um, and you were worried that this was just going to be a retread or a repeat of the original story, I don't think it's going to be that. I don't think you have to be worried about that. And at least this first episode or this first issue of the comic wasn't. And it was definitely interesting, held my interest. And I think it definitely stands on its own and it held my interest not as just a Ultraman thing, but as a comic book, because uh, I would have been willing to say it was boring and not spend any more money on it if, if it was. So anyway, that's... Some of you may or may not know, this is not my first time talking about Ultraman. I did an entire podcast review analysis series of SSSS.Gridman, which is actually an anime in the Ultraman universe. And I reviewed the Netflix um, Ultraman anime, which is a CGI anime, which is an, ad an adaptation of a Ultraman manga that started in 2011. Um, so I reviewed both of those as much well gridman is done and ultraman season one is over uh we're waiting for season two to come out but if you want to hear me talk more about um ultraman you can do that there i'll provide links uh in the show notes and then on the uh, video version for you to find those and uh yeah i hope you check them out i hope you enjoy them i also talked about a short youtube series that Subaraya did um ultra fight galaxy i think is what it's called anyway uh, you can check out those links and find me talking about more Ultra stuff there. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I was a Ultra... Well, if you listen to those things, I'll, I'll just give you a little insight. I was a newbie to Ultraman, and I checked it out because of Gridman, and I liked it, and that made me decide I would like the whole thing. And uh, I recently watched a couple episodes of the uh, Ultraman Season 1 DVD here at home because I wanted to support that official release that happened earlier this year. And uh, that's pretty much all I have to say. <laughs>